welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 203 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I am so glad to be with you today. It's Jessica. I know we have some new faces around here listening, and I just want to really welcome you. This is in a different kind of episode today. The last Friday of the month, I always do a Mom of the Month award winner episode where you get to nominate who the guest is that comes on. They win a prep dish subscription, and we get to hear a little bit about their motherhood journey and what makes them so, so extraordinary. So this is an extra special episode to me. Um, I just love hearing from you, the extraordinary women in your lives. Meeting new people has been so encouraging to me. So you've tuned into a very special episode. Some of you are coming over from Kayla and her episode on Tuesday, Isn't She Extraordinary? Holy moly, her bravery, her vulnerability, and her willingness to share something very difficult about the trauma she experienced at age 16, but then the path she chose thereafter to heal, to become stronger, and to seek good things in her life. And you're seeing the fruits of all of that labor as she has four beautiful children, a happy family. She is pursuing an education that she always dreamed of. All of those things. And all of those dreams are possible for you too, whatever it may look like in your life. I was so, so encouraged by her story, and I hope you were too. So we're just going to hop to it. Today, I chose two extraordinary women to highlight today. The first is Nikki Cooley. Nikki is someone that I talked about in a December episode. She experienced really hard past six or seven months with her family. I mentioned a GoFundMe for their family. But her sister nominated her for her Extraordinary Mom of the Month Award. So we're actually going to hear from Nikki today about her family's journey as her son was diagnosed um, with a brain tumor this past August, how they're doing today, and I have a little surprise for them. And then we have a second Extraordinary Mom of the Month Award winner coming up after that. So stay tuned, and we will get to it with Nikki Cooley. All right. I am really excited to be chatting with Nikki Cooley today. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Jessica. How's it going? I'm so good. How are you? Great, thank you. Good. You are currently in my hometown in San Diego. That's right. That's awesome. Well, I am so thrilled to be finally chatting with you in person about your story because I followed along this heart-wrenching journey you've been on for the last several months, and we're going to chat about that. But first, I wanted to read to you your sister, Stephanie Whitaker, her sweet tribute to you. So I'm going to read it now. Cue the waterworks. Here we go. Yeah, right. Okay. (laughs) I couldn't think of anyone who's more deserving of an Extraordinary Mom nomination than my sister, Nikki Cooley. She has seen struggle, known fear, and experienced hardships that are difficult to even begin to describe. To being a mother of three boys, to going through a twin pregnancy, delivering those twins at 26 weeks, spending months in the NICU, and recently having a son receive the diagnosis of a malignant brain tumor, 
You can imagine the stress, worry, and heartache that could sink in. But the amount of love, grace, strength, and determination that she displays is simply admirable. My sister is not only the best mother to her three boys, she's their caregiver and their biggest advocate. She's somehow able to manage doctor's appointments, meetings with specialists, trips to clinics, surgeries, procedures, and everything in between, and is still looking for ways of how she can help others who may be in need. She is truly inspiring. Oh, Nikki. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. That did get a little bit, uh, a little bit teary over here. <laughs> right. It tugs at your heartstrings. Will you just give the listeners a little background on a little sneak peek into the last few months of your life? So we were mid, mid-pregnancy mid just about when we took Owen in for like the millionth visit for headaches that he was experiencing and kind of kept getting a diagnosis that it was something else like it was an adenoid problem so it was causing pressure this that and the other thing and um we kind of just said you know enough is enough are waiting to get in touch with specialists who they've had since they were born obviously Mm -hmm. the the waves were just getting too far out and you know even when they said okay we can squeeze you in it was still it was still weeks away so we ended up going down to the er where we got the imaging done that I'd been requesting. And that's when we got our diagnosis that something was not right. And, you know, there really are no words for any parent that has to go through that. It was, it's just horrible beyond all belief. But we kept being told, you know, that we did the best, you know, we could possibly do in terms of timing had it been earlier, maybe there wouldn't have been anything to see and it would have gone even longer being unchecked, you know, and had we just ignored it, it could have been, you know, Hmm. deadly. Yeah. And just to make it a little easier on people who aren't familiar with your story, Owen is one of your twin boys. He had just turned five, looking forward to kindergarten when he was diagnosed. So the birthday was in April and I'm pretty sure he was diagnosed in May, because I was due in June, and we were hoping, um, because we had some complications after surgery that we were not prepared for, mm-hmm. that I'd still be able to have their little brother when it was the best time for Owen. So oh we kind of choreographed the birth around when we thought he may be home and um, wow. out of the hospital. So yes, it was a pretty crazy beginning. That is a whirlwind. And you're just expecting, okay, my twins are about to go to kindergarten. You're feeling like good things yeah, are on the horizon. Up yeah. Everything. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine. And so you had a baby like a week after he started or had surgery or treatment. Is that right? Yes. Oh so we got Owen home for one week, and that was just enough time for me to go in to have the baby. And then they let me go home from the C-section after a day and a half because they knew my OB knew my background story and they knew that I just wanted to be home mm-hmm. and helping because he needed, Oh, needed around the clock care. And, um, yeah, he was not any, not able to do things for himself because of the brain surgery. There was a little, a little thing that might happen where <laughs> they didn't really tell us about that where, um, yeah, there it's kind of like a paralysis called like hemiplegia. So his whole, right side was not working and he had no like motor coordination and couldn't walk and couldn't feed himself and mm. yeah it was pretty difficult to come home and have it even though he had a tumor but he looked 
he looked normal and he looked fine. And right. then when bringing him home and it's just, you know, it's just not, not your baby right then for a moment. And it's just kind of, it's hard to readjust. Absolutely. It's every parent's worst nightmare. And then to have his twin brother, Wyatt, also needing attention and being confused about what's going on and then also tending to a baby. What was what was the hardest part for you as a mother? I'm sure there was a million hard parts, but is there something that stands out? I think the hardest part was just trying to see a light at the end of the tunnel because the diagnosis is so heavy. We don't even use the word, you know, like in the house. It's just yeah, nothing that anybody wants to speak or hear or think about. Mm-hmm. And then it's really just not dwelling on that. It's just doing the one day at a time and just what's the best we can do. My my family was instrumental and in kind of like, because, you know, post-pregnancy hormones, I was just, I was a wreck, but they kept trying to say, you know, don't don't let it get you. Just focus on what we have now focus on what we have now, you know, it's, it's not the end. You got it when you could, there are treatment options. So it was just like, I needed them to help me get through that part. Yeah. So since last June, you have been in treatment mode. You have been home much more than you've ever been home before. You've had to be so careful with his immune system being suppressed and everything just being so fragile. Mm-hmm. How has that been for you? And have there been tender mercies? And I know people have showed an outpouring of love to you during this time. And what has this roller coaster been like for you, Nikki? So actually, you know, because of our background, like I like to call our, our medical background and the boys like beginnings, we were not like far from knowing how it is to keep your family in like complete isolation interesting yeah Um, yeah so when they were born we had the same thing it was like there's no visitors you wear masks you wash hands you don't touch anything you don't see anybody you don't go anywhere it's just it's just a different mindset so unfortunately we thought by like four we were good (laughs) and we wouldn't have to like practice that anymore but I mean it's it's it is quite frightening and if it really wasn't for the outpouring of love and support we've gotten from god strangers even people that don't even know anybody who knows us just per chance I don't know stumbled upon his story somehow mm-hmm. I mean, they've just been there to help with we've had people help with bills and meals and you know I didn't even think we needed anything because I was like oh we have insurance we have we're good I mean my husband's still working we'll have money and you really it's just stuff you didn't even know would cost you money cost you money and it's mm-hmm. we could not have made it without really the help of people yeah (laughs) just coming out of the woodwork and you can't underestimate what small gestures can add up as everybody is rallying and there was a really hard time in the middle of all this when he wasn't able to get the treatments in San Diego that he critically needed and you guys your husband and your son had to fly out to the east coast to get treatment and even that was complicated right I mean I can't even fathom you could not catch a break I'm like you guys you told us really it wasn't gonna cost anything but I mean we would send him somewhere even if it did it's just the fact that oh yeah and that was that was pretty that was hard and we did meet with them and kind of say you're telling us our son needs this to live yeah to make it to his next birthday but this machine is unreliable and wow that was yeah 
crazy. I know. When things like that just happen, you're like, seriously, this family yeah. has been through enough. <laughs> like, can't, can't things just go smoothly even, you know, in this bumpy, bumpy road? You, That's what just we, we thought the same thing. But then it's like, there has to be a reason, my husband and my family. And yeah. we just said, you know, there has to be a reason. Maybe something was going to happen if you were to go to that other sure. place. But yeah, as a mom, I'm just like... Serious? Why? Get my baby help. We, we, yes. don't, we don't need this right now. No, you don't. And I mentioned your GoFundMe back on an episode in, in December, and, and I'm going to link to it again in the show notes today. Just like you said, there's just unforeseeable uh, costs and, and even clean toys and just like new things that you're <sighs> just like, yeah. you could never imagine how much this weighs on you, not just the life and the fragility of, of life that you're experiencing right now, but but the logistics too. That's that's heavy on a mom's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something that also happened um, at Christmas time that I heard about was that you really wanted a family photo and that you had hired a photographer who, you know, you, was told about the situation and all you wanted was a Christmas picture and she did not come with properly sanitized equipment. And so you ended up with a cell a phone cough. photo. And a and cough. Like, oh, yeah, and I got a cough. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you cannot have come to go in. right back out of my house and thanks, but no thanks. Oh, that must have been devastating. You just want a family picture. And so uh, yeah. I have a little surprise for you, Nikki. What is that? There <laughs> is a professional photographer named Carolyn Ruiz, who's based in Southern California, who is a twin mom who heard about your story. And she wants to give you guys a photo session for a family photo to take the place of that Christmas picture that didn't happen. Oh, I don't want to cry, but <laughs> I'm there. That's yeah. extremely, extremely generous, especially knowing how busy a twin mom right? can be. <laughs> a four-year-old twin mom. So she just really resonated with your story. And another friend of mine, Chrissy Powers, put me in contact with her. And she's like, I just feel really called to help out this family. And she... I will give you her information and put you in touch with her and she will sanitize Aww. and she will wear a mask and she understands, but you, you need a family photo to document your beautiful family and all that you've been through. And Owen is currently finished with treatments right now. Is that right? Correct. So we okay. have, well, air quotes. Yes. yes. So he's okay. finished chemotherapy and radiation. Um, so treatments, medication wise or whatever you would call that mm -hmm. um yes he is done so he will be getting um every three months though he will be going in for getting scans okay. of the full brain and spine for the first two years then it goes six months until we get five years which praise please lord we're gonna yeah. get to five years and then by then the chance of reoccurrence is it's extremely low. Oh. So that's what we're trying to get to. He still goes to clinic for blood work to make sure, um, you know, his numbers are coming up appropriately and he has to get his port flushed every month. So as much as wow. he thinks, <laughs> it was really sad because when he rang his little bell, he thought, I think in his little mind that no more chemo pokes, was no more, yeah. not just like, <laughs> so he thought everything was done. So every time I get to get you know, woken up to go down to clinic now. It's, oh, sorry, babe, but they're nice, and we do love a ton of the nurses there. Yeah. But, um, oh, well, I'm glad that chapter is done, but we'll just pray continued prayers for, for healing and keeping those numbers low and keeping everything away so that you guys can really re resume your new for. normal. Yeah, and so as you've entered this place of a new normal, it's never going to be the same. 
this changes you as a person, as a mom. How has this really changed you and your view of motherhood to these three precious boys who are just starling? You know, you just really have to see what the Lord gave you. And you just, this is, you can't ask why. It's just more like, this is it. Like I said, day by day. Mm. And you just kind of, it's funny because of how different White and Owen are. And I even wrote, I believe one time, it's like... (laughs) God gave us all these different personalities because he knew it would help us get through. It's like without Wyatt being so consistently full of energy and mm-hmm. just kind of really distracting us from the situation, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, oh, gosh, Wyatt, what are you doing? And in that moment, you know, I forget for two seconds. Your regular mom. Yeah. The diagnosis is another one and those kids pour yeah. <laughs> huge file of medical things and then. <laughs> Just Nash being so highly portable and pleasant and, you know, just willing to sit in his little carrier for hours at a time if need be when we are at radiation or just be in a carrier, you know, while we're going through a clinic and Owen's getting transfusions and it's, he, they're, they're my kids for a reason. And Mm. I'm thankful that they are all as special as they are. Mm. That's so beautiful. I always ask my guests one final question, Nikki, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, wow. I guess (laughs) – I'm going to cry. That's a good one. I guess don't worry about what the future holds. It's like the present that really is the present. (laughs) Yeah. And just enjoy what you have right now. Yeah. The present is the present. I love that. That is the gift. (laughs) That is the gift. It is. Oh, man. Nikki, you are an extraordinary mom. What you have been able to tackle with the grace and positivity and gratefulness, really, that you've gone through each step of this journey with, it is remarkable and inspiring to me and to so many, and like you said, even strangers who have reached out to your family. Um. I just I pray for continued blessings for your family. You're doing you're doing Thank so you, many things right, Nikki. And I'm excited to see your family picture. Can I share it once it gets taken? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Everybody gets to see that one. Everyone will That's get to really see fun. it. You'll love it. And I'll put exciting. Carolyn's info on the website too because she is just I told her, we were texting the other day, and I'm like, you're part of a miracle. You're part of a miracle. Like, do you realize, like, this is going to be awesome. So she's really excited. I hope you have the most wonderful day, Nikki. Thanks, Jessica. I hope you do, too. I appreciate talking to you. Isn't Nikki so deserving of this award? She has been through so much, and yet her attitude has really been the lifeline to carry her and her whole family through this in such a strong and courageous way. So congratulations, Nikki. We can't wait to see your family photo. Thank you to Carolyn Ruiz for stepping up. You can follow Carolyn at Carolyn Ruiz online. Her photos are just gorgeous. She's based in San Clemente. She's going to travel to San Diego to take their family photo, which is the sweetest. If you want to follow along in Owen's journey, you can do that at Healing Hands for Owen on Facebook. They're really good about updating um, about his treatments and prayer requests and things like that. I'll also link all of this on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. I'll link their GoFundMe if this really tugs at your heartstrings. There are continued medical bills that continue to pile up, like their travels to the East Coast for his life-saving treatment at the last minute and all of those types of things. They're just a young family just doing the very best they can to give their son 
the best care they can. So if you feel inclined to support them, you can go to that GoFundMe on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Okay, I'm excited to bring to you an Extraordinary Mom of the Month award winner number two. I really want to thank PrepDish for giving subscriptions to both the nominator and the winner. And Claire and her friend Abby, who won, will get a subscription to the meal planning service PrepDish. If you're looking for an easier way to meal plan for your family, check out PrepDish.com. They are an easy online meal planning service that gives you grocery lists and recipes for you to make easy, healthy meals for your family. Totally check that out. I love Allison over at Prep Dish and the fact she wants to support the Extraordinary Moms podcast every month. So I just want to say thank you, thank you so much. So our Extraordinary Mom of the Month award winner number two is Abby Stimson. Abby was nominated by her friend Claire for her extraordinary motherhood after suffering some losses, undergoing some health issues around Christmas time. It has been a roller coaster for her, but her positivity and advocacy for overcoming grief and thriving in motherhood That is a message we can get behind on this podcast. So that is why she is our winner this month. So let's get to my conversation with Abby Stimson. All right. I am so excited to be chatting with Abby Stimson today. Hi, Abby. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to chat with you. You're Extraordinary Mom of the Month Award winner. And you just told me that you didn't even know what podcasts were not too long ago. So here you are <laughs> on one. Yeah, I'm a little technically challenged, but um, I'm, I'm catching up. Okay, that's good. Well, now you're going to have to add Extraordinary Mom's podcast to your queue. <laughs> yes, and I'm excited to do so. Okay, good. Well, your friend Claire is the one that nominated you. She wrote the nicest tribute to you. So I'm just going to go ahead and read that for you and make you cry a little bit probably. But um, this is her nomination for you. She says, I nominate Abby because this woman has been through it all. She's constantly looking outward to others. She's a mother of five amazing boys and she miscarried twin girls, which was such a heartache after all the experience with loss that she'd already been through with her parents and her sister and her mother-in-law. Her experience with death and grief and family addiction has sparked her to spread awareness and love to the community. Not only that, but she had some major health issues just before Christmas, resulting in a major surgery, and she even almost died. But She was such a fighter in all aspects of her life and continues to take her trials and find joy and help others to uplift everyone around her. She is so aware of her boys' different personalities and how to parent them individually. She is truly inspiring. I've been meaning to nominate her forever, but I just moved and I miss her so much. So she is my nomination. What a good friend you have in Claire. (laughs) She is far too kind. (laughs) Oh, well... I just, but, as I read yes, the, as I read these nominations, you know, it is always hard to choose, but, um, you know, it's just something stood out in, in her tribute to you. And that is why I want to talk with you today. So we just give a little background on yourself and your family and a little bit about your motherhood journey. Yeah, I would love to. So I am blessed to be the mom, um, to five beautiful boys. Um, we have age range from 15 uh, to almost 12, 9, 6, and 3. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they're all kind of in different seasons of growing up, and I just feel really lucky to be their mom. But, um, you know, I personally believe no one is ever quite ready for parenthood. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I, I feel like it doesn't matter how many books you read or classes you attend or children that you babysit or your level of education. I just feel like nothing can prepare you for that journey because um, it a mother's love is just unlike anything else in this world. And I believe words fail to be adequate in expressing that and how unique um, each of our journeys are because it's based on our, our children and our children are all unique little individuals. And so I think that um, that obviously affects um, our journey and who it helps us to become. Mm. And when did you lose your twin girls? Um, okay, so we had lost our girls. Our son, Jack, is three. And um, about two years prior to um, conceiving him, we um, I didn't know I was pregnant. Mm. Um, I typically am pretty, like, nauseous in the beginning. That just is always my way of knowing that I'm pregnant. And um, I didn't have any of those symptoms with the girls and, um, but then all of a sudden other symptoms arose, uh, that let me know that obviously I was pregnant. And so I went in and I, I wasn't sure how far, cause I kind of have, um, erratic periods. So, mm-hmm. um, basing it on the timeline, I wouldn't have really known off of that. And so when we went into the appointment, um, you know, I knew I was pregnant, but I definitely did not know that there was two. And wow. during the ultrasound, the gal said baby A and baby B. <laughs> and my husband and I both looked at each other like, I'm sorry, come again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, and so we found out that we were pretty um, much further along when we found out we were actually 10 weeks. And um, so... I wasn't really, like I said, experiencing my normal uh, pregnancy symptoms. Uh, But because of Matthew, my fourth child was an emergency C-section due to my placenta detaching at 31 weeks. We were considered high risk. This pregnancy was considered high risk because A, it was twins and be with Matthew, we had had the placenta detach. And so they wanted me to go to a specialist and have a lot more ultrasounds than your average pregnancy. Um, And I also didn't know you could find out the sex as early as we did. We found out when I was only 15 weeks along. Mm. Um, And I didn't know. I totally thought that that's why you had your 20-week appointment. And the doctor laughed at me and was like, no, you have the 20-week appointment for measurements to make sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, that they're growing, but we also, you know, typically let people know what they, you know, if they want to know the sex, we let them know at that time. So, um, yeah, it was, it was beautiful and it was exciting. Um, our boys were really stoked. Obviously we don't have girls in our home. Um, I have twin nieces that are beautiful and, um, my sister-in-law was really excited that we would kind of be sharing that journey. And, um, yeah, I, there was a lot of love and a lot of support. And so it was really devastating to lose them, um, before 20 weeks. Uh, Mm. 
we just went in. We were having a regular appointment. I could tell from the um, from the nurse's um, expression that she thought something was wrong, but it wasn't until um, the doctor came in and said, hey, we want to just take you back, get an ultrasound done, check on a few things, um, you know, that he confirmed that we we had lost them. Um, mm. And I think one of the things that was hardest for me was um, you have to, at a certain point, you have to actually go in and they, they induce you to deliver yeah. them. Um, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, that was part of the process. I, I, I think I was just, it's kind of a blur. Sure. <laughs> um, but I, you know, he basically told me we could go home and digest the information he'd just given me, but that I needed to schedule to come in and be induced and go through the delivery and all of that. And um, because I have lost my mom and my dad and my sister, um, I think that this was just a bit much. It was just really um, significantly more intense for me. Um, I don't, I don't know how to really, again, words fail me. I apologize. But, uh, I remember going to the hospital and, um, my husband and I just wanting, um, to have some time. I, you know, I was fascinated by how developed they are at that point. And, um, but I didn't want, I didn't want a funeral and my husband did. Mm. And I kind of pulled the, well, I'm the mom and I'm the one that just delivered them. So I'm going to make this official decision in the hospital. If you're, I don't know how many weeks under they, they can, you have an option of, um, here in Idaho, there's an option that they can take your babies and, um, they'll cremate them and put the ashes in a garden that you can go and visit. Mm-hmm. And so that's the option I chose, um, which looking back, I feel really bad that I was so stuck in my own grief that I wasn't like considering that my husband was grieving too. You know, I think sure. miscarriage affects everyone differently. And I think, um, in that moment, I just couldn't fathom. Um, I had planned funerals. I had I had done that with my family members, and I just couldn't fathom doing it for for them. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. I am so terribly sorry for that loss, but it really brings to light an important issue. I think to to acknowledge in the thick of grief, in the thick of a really extreme challenge like you faced, you know, you're just doing the best you can in that moment, you know, and that truly is your best, right? Considering the circumstances. And then you also have to acknowledge, you know, your husband's going along the same path with you, but his best looks different and his reality and his, his walk is going to look different too. And so it's not always going to line up perfectly, but having compassion 
for everybody involved, it's an important thing to have, but really hard to implement in the moment where you're just feeling this so heavily. I can't really imagine that, that weight, but I understand what you're saying. Well, and I feel bad because I think in that moment he wanted that love and that support and unity from our family and our friends. And (gasps) I literally was the opposite where, um, I just wanted to go home. I wanted to just pull my, my boys close together and just like be with them and no one else. Like I didn't want visitors. I didn't want, um, to talk about it. I didn't, I immediately, the things that we had purchased and the gifts that had been given, I donated them to a local women and children shelter. Mm. Um, like I just, I wanted it to be done and over very quickly. And I didn't, I just wasn't processing it very well. And, you know, there's, there's so much help out there. There's so um, many amazing counselors and resources that are available. But in that moment, for myself personally, um, I did something my own unique way, and that was that I took my boys and we went to the Oregon coast with some friends. And I literally spent that recovery after... um, being induced and delivering them, like watching my kids play on the beach. Like mm. I, it sounds so bizarre. It really, really no. does. But it, it, was it doesn't. That, yeah. That's what was healing for my soul was to like get away from all the well wishes um, and just look at, look at what I had left that I needed to pull myself together for to, mm. you know, cause um, after we miscarried them, they also asked if they could um, run some tests to kind of find out what may have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And none of those tests really came back with any um, any like solid hmm. evidence of like this is what caused it. And I think that that was extremely frustrating to me. I think if you could give me a why in my mind, I think that that was going to make it better yeah so absolutely when when they came back and there was no why that was extremely frustrating to me sure and going through a challenge like this um I mean the way that Claire speaks of you and and the the progress and the new normal you have been able to find you went on to have another baby and um you know, you've reached a new normal, even with this loss as part of your story. How has this impacted the way you view motherhood and the way that you parent and the way you view life in general? Um, you know, I, I think that I tend to, um, well, I can definitely tell you with my, my final pregnancy, I, um, I cherished it in a different light. Mm. I, um, I feel like that I didn't wish away, like, you know, the nine months of pregnancy and the weight gain and the discomfort. I think that I viewed it significantly different. I tried to cherish it 
a lot more. Um, and knowing Jack was going to be our last um, just helped me kind of appreciate um, pregnancy and all of its glory. Yeah. We all, you know, I kind of look like an Oompa Loompa towards the end. I'm short. <laughs> it doesn't have much. I don't have much for the baby to go. So yeah. it's just like compact. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I saw it as beautiful for the first time. Hmm. I, and I don't think that I fully um, appreciated that prior to, to my miscarriage, which is really unfortunate because it, it truly is amazing and beautiful. But I think I just had a deeper appreciation for, for at least pregnancy. But um, for my kids, um, I, I'm kind of a terribly flawed hot mess on it in all its glory crazy lady but I know that um the love that I have for my children is as close to perfection that I think I'll ever experience Mm. like now mind you not like the way that I parent that's not perfect but my love for them is perfect (laughs) I love that so much that is how we can all, yes, when we're striving for perfection, strive for perfection in love, not in perfect yes. parenting. Bingo. We can, yes. that's attainable. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. You know, I have to own it in all of its glory that we're kind of our own traveling circus. Yes. But my love for them has always been the one true thing in this life I know I can believe in. Oh, and yeah. Woo. I love it. That is my saving grace through the trials that I have faced like Mm. don't get me wrong I adore my husband he's a wonderful amazing man and kudos kudos to that (laughs) man for putting up with my shenanigans but um you know I think my kids there's just there's nothing quite like no um that love that we have for our babies right oh absolutely I could not agree more that is a great way to think of it that is really going to be a mental shift for me I love that I believe that but now I have language surrounding it that's good good job Abby (laughs) love it so (laughs) much because sometimes I feel like I fumble no that's beautiful (laughs) and your friend also mentioned that just before Christmas you had a major health scare and you went in for surgery and it's been a long road of recovery and you're still like fresh out of that recovery how are you doing now and again how has that kind of shifted how you're able to mother and everything you know um this life can be so ridiculously hard and heavy at times I think that we all have a story to tell and we all have wounds to be healed I mean obviously your podcast shines light on that yeah and um it was this time last year where everything in my life shifted significantly. And it's sad, but it's true that we take for granted, like, our simple, everyday miracles in our life. Mm-hmm. And mine being my health. It's it's something I had always had, so I didn't fully appreciate it. Um, and it's unfortunate that it oftentimes takes tragic trials for our perspective to change. Mm. And it has changed the way that I see my children, um, the way that I've seen 
true, genuine, sincere, beautiful friends and family members that have just shown up to be there and to just sit in the silence of not knowing, not being able to fix or change what was happening, but just being present and loving us through what we were facing. And there's such a deep gratitude that I'll never be able to express for those people, the Mm -hmm. small random acts of kindness, the gentle reassurance that although things were heavy, there was beauty to be found in the chaos of my life. Mm. Um, I had no control. Yeah. And I I had to accept that I was truly limited. And um, it's amazing to see those that are dedicated to cheering you on, who believe in you, who don't give up on you, regardless of how exhausted you become. Um, I think that love is an incredibly powerful thing. Mm. And I remember during like my hardest moments, wanting for the pain and everything to just end. And yet immediately following that moment, feeling the absolute motivation to fight and get better, not just for myself, but for my family. I wanted nothing more than to survive so that I could be here longer because I wasn't done. I wanted Mm -hmm. more time, more time with the people I love and more time to know better and do better. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just to set aside the judgments and the fear that once held me back from seeing things as they truly are, more time to make the most out of my time um you know it didn't need to be about a clean house as much as it did about stopping what I was doing to acknowledge my child wanting me to read him a book or you know instead of seeing the play-doh mess and feeling frustrated that I'm going to clean it up like just what did you create show me what you create like that's the shift I'm talking about because um I'm a little of (laughs) (laughs) and so I I was missing the the magic in the mess of it all you know I was missing it because I I wanted to control it and to fix it and um that's not how it works no um I'm I picked two winners of the mom of the month award episode for this month and so the the person that I talked to previously that you'll hear on Friday she had this great quote. Her son was diagnosed with a brain tumor um, last summer, her four-year-old. And she said, the present is the present. Like, that is the gift, right? She just realized, like, what was right in front of her was was fleeting. But, like, you're, focusing on the fleeting part is not helpful. Being focused on the present and being grateful for the present, not that the moment's going to pass or be gone, Um I, that just really struck me, and it and it strikes a chord with what you're saying right now as well. Yeah, and we hear all the time that this life is precious and not to waste it, and yet we unfortunately do it every day. Oh, How yeah. much time do we waste worrying about insignificant yeah. things? And we... How much time do we waste stuck only to realize we're the ones holding ourselves back? Yes, and I don't want to wait until a cancer diagnosis or my child, you know, losing a child. I don't want to wait until I'm forced into that perspective. I want to live that now, and I have the ability to do that. So what am I waiting for? And I think we can all kind of relate to that sentiment. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, and I think just having that attitude, I know it sounds cheesy, but that attitude of gratitude where we, um, you know, where we just, we appreciate those little everyday things that we just tend to take for granted, Mm. you know, and um, I just think that there's purpose to the pain that we face in this life. I think that um, that there's a reason we're given the trials that we're given. And I'm not, you know, so many people say, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I've always kind of thought, well, then he doesn't know me very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because when life repeatedly kicks you in the face, there's times where you do feel defeated and tired and broken and done. Um, but when you can sit back Um, you can see, like, you can, if you look for it, you got to look for it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, just the beauty and the chaos. But when you sit back and you look at it, you can see, like, as much as he's given you and asked you to face in this life, he's also given. Mm. And, um, you know, I think faith is a personal thing and how you feel, um, towards a higher power, how you acknowledge it in your life can can make a difference in your attitude of gratitude, if you will. And I think where we find our joy um, can feed that faith. And for me, watching my kids, you know, just do simple things, watching them at a park, watching them, um, you know, when I catch my oldest child reading a book to my youngest child, but I didn't ask him to do it. He just chose to do it. Those are the little things I'm talking about that just kind of feed and regenerate my, my spirit and my will to like fight. (laughs) Yeah. I love that so much. And that is such a great reminder. And I'm sure there's plenty of people listening right now that this is the exact reminder they need to jump off their phone, to put down the broom to, and go be with their kids and ask them about their day and to, to look them in the eye and just be present and appreciate what's right in front of them. Oh man, I needed this today. Holy moly, Abby, you're incredible. I wish you the very best for your health and continued recovery. I hope for many, many more years where you get to, to do all the things that you want to do with your family. I always ask my guests just one final question and it's this, what would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Um, <laughs> so I would tell my pre-motherhood self that um, the best in your life is truly yet to be. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know that we have a lot of women that, you know, me being a mother doesn't define who I am. But for me, it's a significant piece of... Um, what I'm most proud of, mm-hmm. what I, what brings me most joy. And I would honestly tell myself to, to trust that inner voice of mine, our self-worth and belonging should never be negotiable with mm-hmm. another person. Mm-hmm. That's a truth that only we ourselves can carry and cultivate within our own heart. And I think, um, I, I sought out a lot of, um, acceptance from others prior to becoming a mom and getting comfortable in my own skin throughout these trials and tribulations. Um, but 
I think just like let there be a lot more I love you's and more I'm sorry's and more I'm listening's but you know mm-hmm. mostly just seize the moment don't don't doubt yourself trust yourself yeah. try it on live it exhaust it love it you know um because I think that I was just really young and really naive and thought that I you know had a plan and nothing went according to plan but it's more beautiful than what I would have created had I been in control. Thank you for sharing that. Abby, you are truly an extraordinary mom, and I hope that you will believe it and take it in on this day because we're acknowledging that on the podcast. Your friend Claire sees it, and I'm sure there's a million other women around you that believe the same thing about you. So I hope you believe it in yourself today. Well, oh, thank you for taking the time to listen to me ramble. <laughs> you are so I appreciate awesome. It. And I, I'm inspired just by even the women that were nominated in that same yeah. feed. Like it's incredible. I know what we are capable of as women. Yep. I believe that too. I can't wait to share even more of their stories as well. Thank you, Abby. You're an extraordinary mom. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Two extraordinary, extraordinary women to honor today for our Extraordinary Mom of the Month. Thank you so much for taking the time, Nikki and Abby. You are extraordinary moms. You can find pictures of their family, links on all their information of um, how to find them online and things like that over ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 on Instagram or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Um, if you are new around here and you want to listen to other episodes, you can do that on podcast apps like iTunes. You can listen on the website, Stitcher, if it's a non-iPhone. Um, there's lots of options for listening. So I just want to thank you guys for tuning in so much. We have an incredible episode next Tuesday airing. It's episode 204 with Emily Nelson. She is the co-founder of High Fitness. Her positivity and energy is absolutely contagious. I had the pleasure of taking one of her classes in Southern California when she was visiting here and it kicked my booty, but it was so fun. We're going to hear about her building that business. We're going to hear about the message she wants all women to know and believe what she teaches her girls about body image and self-confidence. It's an incredible, inspiring episode that I am so excited to share with you. So tune in and make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.